so grieving is not only has it's not only grieving about people that we lose, right? It's grieving patterns. It's grieving our old selves. It's grieving uh, all ways of behavior, right? And and I think for me it was all of that. I made a a very clear decision that I was never going to settle again. And in order for me to do that, I had to let go of patterns, of patterns that 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 held me back from being the woman that I that I was committing to being, from being an empowered woman. I can't be an empowered woman and then and settle at the same time. That doesn't go together. Hello and welcome to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. This podcast is about exploring the grief that occurs at different times in our lives in which we have had major changes and transitions that literally shake us to the core and make us experience grief. I created this podcast for people to feel a little less hopeless and alone in their own grief process as they hear the stories of others who have had similar journeys. I'm Kendra Rinaldi, your host. Now, let's dive right in to today's episode. You are all in for a treat today. You will be listening to Adriana Sorgi. And Adriana is a mother of teenagers, spiritual entrepreneur, published author, as well as a relentless soul seeker. She is the author of Your Breakdown is Your Breakthrough and how to reconnect with your true self and live your life unapologetically. And we will be talking about different aspects of grief, not related to death, but about changes and transitions in life and ending of chapters. So welcome, Adriana. Mm, thank you so much, Kendra. <laughs> I'm so happy to hear you. And yeah. by the way, she is from Colombia. So if mm. you guys by chance hear our accents or if we end up going into Spanish, we normally communicate in Spanish with each other. But we are mm -hmm. doing this in English for the listeners because her book is in English and a lot of the people that follow her are English speakers uh, on her social media. So I'm so excited to have you here. Yeah, I'm so happy <laughs> to be here. Thank you You're for welcome. having me. Okay, so tell mm. us a little bit more about your about you. So I said you're from Colombia. So let's talk about that when you came to the States and mm -hmm. a little bit about your life and your upbringing. Yeah, so I I've been in the States for about almost 30 years. So since I uh, graduated from high school. I moved to Los Angeles. I, I actually was an exchange student in Los Angeles in, in Northern California, not LA, but <clears throat> North of LA uh, for a year. And that's when I realized that this felt like home. So I went back to Colombia after my exchange student year, which I graduated as a senior in high school there. And, um, and when I went back, um, I was there for a year and a half, and then I thought, you know what, this, I need to go back. That really feels more aligned with me. And I came back right be before I was, I turned 20, and I've been here ever since. Yeah, yeah. and we met in college. I remember actually yeah. when we met. I think we were in the computer room. I think that when we met, we might have been in the computer room. 
That's kind of yeah. what I remember. I was writing emails, you know, like back then there were no smart sp- smartphones, but I think we met in the computer room. Um, so that's, uh, yeah, we met in Santa Monica College. That's right. <laughs> yes. Uh-huh. And so we've known each other since, but we haven't seen each other in probably 20 years. We haven't seen yeah. each other. It's oh been my so, goodness. That's yes. crazy. Yeah. Because I've been married for 18 uh-huh. and, I, and I left and it's probably been about 20 years oh, since I've seen you. Probably even more. More, yeah, it's mm-hmm. crazy, huh? Yeah, <laughs> but we've kept. But it, it feels like we see each other all the time. Well, <laughs> social, social media, media does that, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and then we've we've talked and so forth. So, um, yeah. so it's not like we've been we haven't seen each other, but it doesn't mean like we yeah. haven't been connected. So, I was so excited when you came out with your with your book and and uh, reading it. It got me to get to know you on these other levels. And mm. of course I knew a lot of like your story and we had talked about different aspects of your story and your life. Cause we you know we were in college, but at the same time, I feel like back then in our early twenties, maybe the type of connections and the type of conversations maybe were not as like deep as mm. they are now. Right. As mm. we start maturing and becoming more in alignment with who we are, we start opening up more, but I do remember there was a book you really liked back then that really struck me and really gave me an attention. I don't know if you remember this part. You liked, I think it was Conversations with God. Mm. Does that ring a oh, bell wow. for you? Yeah, totally. Yes. Yes. So I and so I was like, mm. wow, like it gave me that perspective that you did have mm. already these really deep and soulful type mm. of insights about you and this mm. is in you know we're here like in our early 20s and mm-hmm. this young woman reading these really deep books mm. then so I thought I'd read yeah. that does that re- recall do you recall yeah. that yeah 100 I I think that I started I got on this journey of uh spiritual I guess seeking mm. uh early in my 20s I was um I had a pretty tough childhood in Colombia, and when I moved back to when I moved back to the United States, um, I felt really lost. Mm. Like when you met me, I was probably I was a very lost soul. I had no idea what I was doing with my life. I felt really sad inside. Nobody really could could really see the the degree of you know my my sadness and um, confusion that I lived with. And I started to gravitate towards spirituality back then. And I think it all started from uh, meetings, meetings that I attended uh, about uh, bulimia. I was bulimic back then and for about 15 years, since the age of 13 until right before, I think I wrote a little bit on the book until mm-hmm. I, I got pregnant with my daughter. So during that time, I was married, and I felt really confused with my life. There was a lot of things that I had. I lived a really expansive life, materially speaking. I had everything I wanted, but internally, I felt incredibly lost. Mm. And so I started seeking, seeking, going deeper with myself, learning, reading, um, going to taking workshops, uh, working with coaches. And little by little, I realized that there was so much more about me than mm-hmm. just being a mom. Even though I, I 
I love being a mom. Yes, but I knew that there was a lot more. And so I began to explore more into this, you know, path of uh, spirituality, <clears throat> learning more about myself, learning about my, my, my capabilities in this lifetime. And <clears throat> that's how it all started to almost sort of like come together. Mm-hmm. And by understanding like who, of a puzzle. Yeah, under, of a puzzle. understanding mm-hmm. who I really was, mm-hmm. you know, and what I was able to do. But yeah, it all started back then in my 20s. But, you know, things kept happening. I kept, you know, like, like almost like seeing the light and then not seeing it. Seeing it and not seeing it, right? Like until my huge breakthrough, which was really my divorce. That was my biggest breakthrough. And that's how this okay. book came along. Yeah. Wow. There's so much there. So let me, let me go back and Mm -hmm. go into uh, other aspects. I got chills and I started getting really moved because the fact that I knew you then, and to know that you've been around a person that you, you wanted to be seen or was struggling with these things and maybe not knowing, you know, makes me a little bit Mm -hmm. sad that, Mm -hmm. that uh, I was around, that I wish I would have been, um, more uh, aware of those kind of things, you know, and it makes me feel like um, being more aware, even in my present day with my relationships of really truly listening. I know now I'm more intuitive of knowing when Mm -hmm. people are not like, okay, but who knows if like you even said in in our 20s, we're still kind of discovering who we are. So that intuition, sometimes we don't end up listening to it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Regarding your your upbringing and coming to the States and feeling lost. And then you mentioned very vulnerably about your uh, bulimia, which thank, which thank you because that those, uh, I know a lot of parents that are struggling with those uh, kind of situations with their children. Mm-hmm. And, and so thank you for sharing that. Um, let's talk about the pressures of growing up and, and in a little bit about that. And if with regarding your modeling career, would did that mm-hmm. have anything to do with how you felt about yourself then, and was uh, was the ways of how you kind of broke out of that when you came to the states? Was it part of that of the upbringing being so? Um, let me put it, and I believe you you touch on this on the book, but the expectations of what's expected of a woman, what's expected of a mm-hmm. of a young woman, what are they expected to look, what are they mm-hmm. expected to do? Were those expectations what kind of made you feel the way you did? Yeah, well, I, I think that it's, it's very important to mention that I grew up with a, a single mom. She, my father left when I was 13 years old. And I think <clears throat> I felt uh, abandoned. I felt abandoned by my father because all of a sudden, once he was an amazing dad and I, I used to play with him and he would come home. That was like my biggest joy, you know, after he came home from work and just hang out with my dad was the best. And one day he just left. And I knew that it was probably going to come down to that at some point, but I didn't know that it was going to happen so suddenly and, and without uh, notice. And he just left and he had someone else. And my mom went absolutely nuts. She lost it. So living with a mom, uh, 
and and I love her to death, you know, and of course we have healed and we have a great relationship now, but growing up with her, uh, being in, in a state of confusion and grief, constant grief, anger, and, and feeling abandoned also by my dad was pretty heavy. Mm-hmm. And, and she had huge expectations, uh, on me because I was the older daughter. So I was pretty much like the one that had to keep it all together. She was lost. She didn't know what to do. All of a sudden, her husband leaves. She has no money. He became really irresponsible. And we, you know, we had nothing at that point. She had to find a job, not only one job, but two jobs. She worked one job in the morning, another job in the afternoon. And he was just living his life. He moved to the capital. He met this woman and they got married. And so I was like, what is going on here? All of a sudden my dad leaves and I'm with this woman that has become a monster. Literally, she became like literally a monster. And, and I felt really abused by her, constantly abused by her, telling me that I was not pretty, that I, I was the reason why my dad left. And, and, you know, these are things that I can talk about today, 47 because years old. Because, because that relationship is already Yeah, and it's yeah. not to, like, put my mom down in any way. But we, these were all experiences that were the catalyst for me to begin to dig deeper into myself, to realize that, you know, everybody's doing the best they can. So she was doing the best she knew what to do with the tools that she had at the time, and she didn't know how to be a mom. She didn't even know how to, you know, how to work. She, had, she didn't have the tools to do any of that because one day she's married to this man that is maintaining her. And you know that in her, in her culture, you know, it's, it's a very patriarchal culture. Mm-hmm. So he never really encouraged her to, to be empowered and to find a job and to, and to do something that made her happy. So she was just living off of whatever she was making. And then one day he leaves and her whole world turns around and breaks down. So two two young daughters, 13, and your sister was how old at that time? My sister was seven years younger than me, so she was a baby. So I was was the older daughter, and I had to Mm -hmm. keep it all together. And I was very, at a very young age, I realized that I had this inner strength that I didn't, I didn't even understand, you know, my power, but I knew that I had it. I knew that I was wise, that I would see things. I was very observant, and I knew that my mom was lost. Early on, like I just knew, wow, she's lost it. And I, I need to survive now. So I was on survival mode every day with her. And that's, that's how the bulimia started to happen. And it was because this constant criticism, you know, my mom telling me every day that I didn't look good, that I had to lose weight. And I was so skinny already that I, that I didn't have this or that. And, and, and so wanting to be accepted and loved by my mom became my, 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 my goal, so to speak. That became my goal, you know, and I was every day, you know, like doing all the things that she wanted me to do, looking in, you know, the ways that she wanted me to look in order to feel uh, loved, to feel accepted mm-hmm. by her. And so one of the things that pressure went towards, you know, like this eating disorder, like gravitating towards the eating disorder because that was like my hiding place. Yeah. 
-hmm. And from there, you know, I think that I was on and off bulimic. Uh, I became, first I became anorexic. And the, and the anorexia was, got me into the hospital because I was dehydrated and she, she didn't know what was happening with me. She didn't know that I wasn't eating. She thought that I was just depressed, that something was really wrong with me. And so she put me with a psychotherapist to work with a psychotherapist. And then the psychotherapist, he told my mom that I had to, I had to go to the hospital to get some fluids because I was going to die. And so I was just. And you were how old at this point when you were? I was, I was probably 11. I was, no, my dad had just left. So I was probably like almost 13. I was almost 13. And then, but I, but I think going back to the grief, I think it was just this grief that I felt, you know, that I was just grieving immensely. And I, and people didn't understand that that was, was happening to me. So instead of like really, I didn't really have that support. And I think back then, you know, and in, in that culture, it was talking about these things was just, I mean, it was not yeah, possible. You don't go to, no, you it just, was not possible. You talk about surface stuff. You talk about over the, you know, surface stuff. You know, something came up right now as you're saying this of the, of the grief. Also, you mentioned you didn't, you felt that your dad had left as if you had been abandoned. So maybe like not being deserving of love and wondering if that even that connection with the grief of the food in that moment, you know what I mean? I I think, I think that my, I think that my deepest connection to myself came through the the food, you know, like Mm -hmm. eating food and then throwing up, you know, like that was my hiding place. And I felt like those were the moments in which I felt the most connected to myself Mm -hmm. because I could really, I could really grieve through that. You know, I could really, you know, feel my anger, feel my sadness, feel my desperation, you know, and I would just hide in the bathroom, do all of that, then cry, sob, and go back into the world, you know, like nothing had happened. Like so a I release. Drew, it was a release. It, it was, was a like release. A you know, it was like, like what I, you were feeling. Exactly. You know, like I just felt this, this, this incredible sadness inside of me that nobody could understand. You know, I just wanted to scream and say... I miss my dad. Bring him back. I need him. You know? Mm. And and because I couldn't do that because my mom would judge me. She she didn't want me to feel any sadness about him because she was angry. So if I said I miss my dad, she would get mad. Cuz he was, you know, like he she would bad, bad mouth him. You know, he's a horrible man. He left me for another woman. He is not worthy of having you guys in his life. So I was here, you know, a child trying to understand, A, why he left me, and B, why I can't even, I'm not even allowed to say that I miss him, you know? Mm -hmm. So I turned to bulimia because that was my place to feel my pain. That was the only place where where I was really allowed to feel all my feelings. Oh. And I lived with that for so long, for so long. You know, it was about until I had my daughter, until I was pregnant with my daughter, feeling this sadness that I was not able to process with anyone until I started my inner work, working, you know, with other coaches and people here in the United States. In the States. Yeah. Now, you you dedicate this book to your daughter mm. and very 
as now I see, the, well, I, in the book, I know the mm -hmm. why, but even as you're talking here, it's even more clear. Like yeah. you mentioned, she saved your life. So her being pregnant with her mm -hmm. saved your life. Do you feel that way? Yes, because, and I, I want people to understand this when I say, I think I start my book with a little quote that says, Camila, you are the life that gave me life again. Mm -hmm. and, and, and that is true because um, you having, do having done this work also understand that when we don't heal our patterns, uh, we repeat them. Mm -hmm. And so when I got married, it felt to me like I was, it, it was, everything was so familiar. My ex-husband mm -hmm. felt so familiar. You know, he was also very emotionally abusive, not physically, but emotionally. And he was, he reminded me a lot of the way that I grew up with my parents, you know, a little bit of my mom, a little bit of my dad in, in that sense. And in the, you know, uh, abusive mm -hmm. sense. And so I was miserable. I didn't feel happy mm -hmm. in that marriage, but I chose him because he was familiar to me. Because he felt, he hit home, you know, he felt like home. Mm -hmm. And um, when I got pregnant of Camila, she was very desired. She was wanted by both of us. She was very loved. We wanted a child. That was clear. Um, but in the beginning of my pregnancy, I was still struggling with my disease. Mm -hmm. And I had my little belly and I kept binging and throwing up. And I thought that getting pregnant was going to take that away. You know, I thought if I have a child, that's going to heal me. You know, little did I know it was not going to be like that. It was not just going to happen like that. I was going to have to make a decision. And that decision was going to be about saving my child. But saving her was going to save me. So when I, that day, and I think it's in one of the chapters of the book, I had that experience that I was going through one of my, you know, episodes, 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 mm -hmm. episodes and I, I was in the bathroom and it was really heavy. I was with my head on the toilet and I was throwing up for about, I don't know, half an hour. And then something really hit me. And I stood up and I just felt this inner light. And I just started to get like very tingly. And, and I got up and I looked in the mirror and my face was red, you know, because I was doing this. Mm -hmm. And I stood up and I looked at myself and I just felt this voice inside me that said, how much longer, how much longer, do it for her. And I started sobbing, Kendra, I just, I just got on the floor on my knees in agony. And I asked God, I said, help me, help me, I, I can't, I can't do this alone. I need to do this for my child. I want her to be healthy. And in order for her to be healthy, I need to be healthy. And in that moment, I just knew, you know, I just had that inner knowing that it was going to stop right then and there. 
that clarity. Felt it. That clarity. Now with that, yeah. did you get did you get then support then from groups at that moment? How were you able to achieve that, it. or was it a mind? Was it a complete just decision? It was decision a decision, and this a decision, and then this extra was, support I, from it, a spiritual support. I had been going to groups. I already I had already been going to groups, <sighs> and I felt really lost in those groups. Something was missing. I wasn't ready to make a decision. That's what was missing. I wasn't ready to really decide with mind, body, and soul. And I, in that moment, I knew that I was making a decision, and that decision was going to be the catalyst for me to get to the other side. And, and it happened. I stood up. I washed my face. I washed the toilet like I always did. But something was different when I came out of the bathroom. I had already made a decision. And I was clear. And I was going to save my child. And I was going to save me. And I was going to become the woman that I really, really am. Mm. And in that moment, my life changed. Uh-huh. So, so my girl is such a blessing. She's a blessing in my life. Huge blessing. I knew I had to I had to start my book with that because I that book I wrote it because of her. Mm. You know, every I think that becoming an empowered woman has been for me walking that path has been an example for her. I couldn't teach my daughter to be an empowered woman if I'm not if I'm not being that myself. And, and that's, yeah. Wow. So that's, anyway, that's, that's part of it. That, yeah. that is one of the many, oh my gosh, thank you for going deep into that part because I know that so many can, will relate to this mm. aspect. So many of the listeners and thank you for, for sharing that, um, of how many decisions people make, whether in, in your case, it had to do with, with the eating disorder, but in other people, it could be for other aspects of life of making those choices. Maybe in that moment, they're not in a, in a right place or with the right person in their life. And they make a decision to change for their children or they're in other type of, of, uh, of addictions or things like that, that they may have it to make a decision, you know? So a lot of different moments and this junction, as you're becoming a parent, that you have this choice of what it is you're going to do in order to be that example. And what you said right now was so powerful. It's like, how am I going to teach my child to be empowered if I'm not empowered myself? Right. So that yeah. is just so, 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 so powerful. Um, let's uh, go into the aspects now of uh, relationships, then uh, the, the divorce, and then from there on with the relationships, because you are an expert at this and, and at helping people really be able to find themselves in order to be able to attract as well the their their loved one at the right time because they mm-hmm. have to be the right person to be attracting yeah. the right person so mm-hmm. uh go into that and as well in in and in, in that if you want to weave in how you discovered spiritual psychology and and all of the work that you do there however you want to navigate this next chapter yeah. of this conversation well I think that uh, the hardest things for me uh, in my adult life was <laughs> relationships, romantic relationships with men, right? Um, I, I wanted it so badly, and, and every single one of them would become highly dysfunctional at some point. You know, and I, 
it, it, it was like that dysfunction that I was so used to, that at some point, like everything will start so beautiful and, and they wanted to be with me and, and they wanted to commit to, to, to a, this relationship. But then at some point, there was this threat, you know, like this pattern. I, I would lose myself in the relationship. And I think my, I, I began to reflect about that right after my divorce because I got into another relationship and it started to look like my marriage at some point. And then that relationship ended and I got into another one very quickly. I, was a, I wasn't single for very long. I wanted to be with someone. I was very afraid of being alone. I was very afraid of myself, of my relationship with myself. I didn't know what that looked like. And I think that I did have that inner wisdom and inner strength, but it was very, very deep inside me. I didn't even know how to get to it. I knew that I was powerful. Like, interestingly enough, I did know that I was a pretty powerful woman, but I didn't know how to touch to that yet. You know, and so I think that I was hiding behind my relationships because with powerful men, like I was really, I was attracted to very powerful men. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But mm -hmm. I didn't know how to be a powerful woman next to them. So I would begin to lose myself in those relationships. And then I think the one relationship with this man that, that you, I, I think, you know, the, the second one right after my mm -hmm. divorce the one you mentioned in your chapter, in the chapter for grief, is this yes, a four-year relationship? Yes, that's the one. Yeah. That's the one. This is the I one was, that you mentioned. Yeah. I was with this man for four years, and he was incredible in so many ways. Like, I just get it now, looking back, how he re I really needed to be with this man for so many reasons. He needed to slap me awake, and I think that's what happened. After the first three years of that relationship, it, things became so intolerable so unbearable to me because I lost myself so deep into it that my school, that the school that I went to for spiritual psychology came into the third year of that relationship. And I started to, 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 to seek into more into that because things were so similar to the way that I grew up with my parents and to the way that things were with, in my marriage with him. And that's when I began to reflect deeper. What is it about me that I continue to do that I attract these patterns and this type of behaviors and again mm -hmm. in, in this relationship? So I, I became very curious about it. And I, I think that when we're ready, when we're ready to heal, teachers appear and opportunities mm -hmm. show up. So I, I met this woman in, 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 in uh, my martial arts class. I was in a, a martial arts class, and I met this woman, and she was really, I think, uh, 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 what would be the word? I think she was very... Um, instrumental? Instrumental. Instrumental Sorry, for me. Mm -hmm. Yes, thank you. She Sorry, was I didn't mean to... I no. was seeing you. I'm like, okay, could it be this word? I, I, I really, I really, I really wanted to, <laughs> I really right wanted word. to tap into that because that, that is exactly the word. She was instrumental for me on, on this transformation. And I, 
I think that she was the one that led me to the school. And there was, I talked to her one day and she said, look, I think there was an information evening tonight. Why don't you go check it out? And I was so ready at that point. I was still in the relationship, but I was struggling. I was struggling and I knew that if I didn't do something that I was probably going to settle for less than I wanted because I didn't want to be alone. And my kids were so little and I was terrified of being alone. And he helped me so much with my kids. So I, I didn't know how to let go of him, but I knew that I, the, that I was, if I ended up with him, that things were going to be again, the same, the same the cycle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Same cycle. So I ended up going to this, uh, school that night that evening and the minute I walked into it was again I felt the same feeling that I felt when I was in the bathroom with my head on the toilet it was the same and I just know it like that knowing that inner knowing I walked into that classroom and I saw these people and I just felt it again Mm. and I'm like okay there is something here so I sat down and I listened to the introduction. And by the time that I was, it was two hours, a two hour introduction. And at the end of it, I went towards the back of the room and I signed up. Mm-hmm. I paid for it. I paid for the full, for the two years. And people were paying monthly. I didn't pay monthly. I paid for two you years. You were committed. You I were committed. committed. I knew that if mm. I paid for the whole program, I was going to do it. Oof. So I made a decision because... I had the money in the bank and I thought if I pay monthly, that's not a commitment because I can get out of it whenever I want. Mm -hmm. So I am going to do it right now because I'm sending this message. I'm putting this message out into the universe that I'm doing this, Mm -hmm. that no matter what, I'm going to finish this, no matter how hard it is, no matter how much is going to trigger me inside, no matter how much is going to bring out to the surface, but I'm doing this. Mm. And so I did it. And I didn't ask for permission to anyone. And when I got home, I had to assume the consequences of this because the boyfriend that I was with was furious. That brought up a lot for him. Wow. It brought up a lot into, you know, a relationship. You were empowered. In that moment, you really showed your yeah. empowerment. Well, and, and so and the- somebody seeing that... Is, empowered is, you triggers it triggers yes. some it triggered yes. him inside you know because he felt very insecure oh well, who is she going mm. to become now right and mm. and i said i'm doing this and that's what was going to take time away from from us from being together because i was gonna have to study i was gonna have to get together with you know other students i was gonna have to go to the school in person once a month for the whole weekend so that brought up a lot, but that became to me, I think that's been one of the biggest um, commitments that I've made in my life was going through that progress, through that process for two years. And after I graduated, I was a different woman. I was a different woman. I had already left him. You know, it was probably like into year one of the school that I decided that I became very clear that I, that relationship wasn't for me. So I, I ended it. And that's how I experienced the most incredible, incredible grief with love that I've I, ever, I, that I could have never imagined to grieve like that was just exquisite. 
I am like so that beautiful. word, that word exquisite to listen to that aspect of grieving with love mm. being exquisite. That is such a beautiful way of saying it. And at the same time, it seems as if it's contradictory, right? Mm. Like how, mm. how would it be exquisite to grieve? But at the same mm. time, because of the way that you grieved with love and what it uncovered within you and allowed you to express and grow, that's where that exquisiteness comes from. Is that exactly. how you feel it? Absolutely, because we only grieve because we love. We love so much. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, we wouldn't grieve. The more we love, the more we grieve. And I love that man deeply, even though it was dysfunctional. But he was, for me, an incredible teacher. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have gone to that school. If it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have realized how powerful it really was. And even if the relationship became impossible, towards the end he was really the person that helped me to wake up to wake up to life to wake up to who I really am so I think that I mentioned a little bit the way that I grieved and in, in the book and I think that I made a conscious decision that I was going to leave the relationship And that even if I felt pain throughout that process, I was not going to get back with him. And that was another commitment that I made to myself. That was your other paying in full the amount again. It was like, like, it was it was like it's done. Like that, like it's, I'm breaking up this relationship right now. And no matter what I go through during the grief period, I would not get back with this person. This is done. This is complete. This is part of my past. And so I decided that that process, I was going to do it gently. I was going to be loving with myself. And so that, that became my grief. My grief became falling in love with myself, falling in love with every single feeling that was coming up to the surface. And that's what I did. You know, every time that I was feeling pain, I just loved the pain. I just embraced it. It would come up to the surface. I would look at it and I befriended it. I looked at, the, at my, my pain as my best friend in the moment. And, and I, it was every day for six months, Kendra. It would come up. I was in the kitchen. And I, I, I mentioned the kitchen because it was such a, it was our special place because he loved to cook. So we would be in the kitchen every day cooking some, he, would, he was an amazing cook. So we would be in the kitchen and I was helping out and he was cooking. And, I, and then I would wash the dishes while he you know, was doing something else. And I always remember him in the in kitchen. The kitchen. Mm. So I was in the kitchen cooking for my children and the grief would just come along, you know, and I could just feel it. It was like right around five in the afternoon, I was prepping for dinner and boom, you know, all the feelings will start to come up to the surface and I could just feel them one by one, just, you know, coming up, coming up, coming up. And I, and I will just start talking to them. I will talk to them like, okay, there you are. You're coming. I can feel you. What do you need me to do for you? And then 
whatever followed, that's what I would do. Crying, sobbing, hitting a pillow, uh, going for a walk. I, I just listened. I just listened. And I was just being guided by my own feelings. Do this, do that, write, uh, go for a walk, sob. Whatever I needed to do, I did. And so I didn't have to get back into the story because I was just listening to my feelings and just doing what they needed me to do instead of going to the story. Oh, but I should have done this. Oh, but he did that. Oh, but maybe this, but maybe I could have done this better. Oh, but he was so good to me. And why did you know? No, there was no story. I let go of the story and I just felt deeply. And that just became the most incredible process. And it was this grieving with pleasure. And I know it sounds kind of contradicted, mm-hmm. right? To, to what grief really most people think it is. But I just, I chose to make grief uh, an exquisite experience for me. Wow. The, the aspect of you connecting to all these emotions do you feel that that is one of the times in your life in which you maybe at the up to that point had really, really felt the most connected to who you were? Mm. Is that why you felt it was so exquisite? Because you were finally seeing you? Yeah. Mm. Yes, I think so. Because through all my feelings and no story, I was able to really feel my heart, to really feel what my heart contained in the inside, my emotions, my joy, my pain, my anger, my disappointment, my regret, my grief. So all of those emotions are part of the, you know, inside of the grief. Mm -hmm. And through that, I was able to feel who I was, which is my heart. Mm. And by just listening to what my heart wanted me to do, I was able to heal each one of them, like each one of those wounds, slowly, gradually, giving it the time that it really needed, that it really deserved. And it mm-hmm. took me about six months. Every day was a different one. You know, it's like one day maybe I would be so angry and I had to like just go for for a power walk in the middle of the afternoon and just tell my kids I'll be right back. I just need to go for a walk. Or maybe I needed to just lock myself in my bedroom and cry on my pillow. Or maybe I needed to write it down. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. but I just thought I was like on command, on command. Whatever my heart wanted me to do, I was doing. Do this now. I need you to do that. Boom. And I was there listening and being guided. Very and that, that, was, so that, was just, that was just so beautiful. It was so beautiful. Yeah. That sounds amazing. Now, from that point on, there's something I want to say from the book, if it's okay if I read this, this sure. part two of grieving that relationship. It was not that you were just grieving him, but you were also letting go of old patterns that didn't serve you. Yeah. So you were that end of a relationship is also the end of this other Adriana Sorgi. It was the end of that person. So there could have been an aspect of grief of I am leaving her behind and I will no longer succumb to 
those patterns and I do have to be okay with this new me, the new me of actually being also okay of being alone. I'm going to choose to be alone for a period of time and not go back into another relationship right away either. So let's talk about that um, Mm. a a little too. Yeah. So so grieving is not only has, it's not only grieving about people that we lose, right? It's grieving patterns. It's grieving our old selves. It's grieving uh, all ways of behavior, right? Mm -hmm. And, And I think for me, it was all of that. I made a, a very clear decision that I was never going to settle again. And in order for me to do that, I had to let go of patterns, of patterns that, 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 that held me back from being the woman that I, that I was committing to being, from being an empowered woman. I can't be an empowered woman and, then, and settle at the same time. That doesn't go together, right? So I had to grieve my old self. And that felt really sad. I mean, mm-hmm. because I didn't know yet what that was going to look like. So it's like I was saying goodbye to the woman that served me. Mm-hmm. And I say this because she served me for so long, you know. Being she kept business. you safe, quote unquote. Right. She safe. Kept me she safe. kept you financially safe. Exactly. She kept you in 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 a way in which you could show up to the world like with this man on your side, secure exactly. in, in many other aspects. I didn't have to be vulnerable. I didn't have to show up. I didn't have to be uh I didn't have to try to do anything. You know, so she kept me safe for a long time. She served me while I wasn't ready to do that. Mm-hmm. So I had to say goodbye to her, and I that hurt. That felt really scary. That felt really scary because I didn't know who I was without her yet. Mm. So saying goodbye to my old self was part of my grief. And also mm. a lot of the stuff that happened with my parents was coming up to the surface because it was all the things that I ne- never really processed with anyone. The abandonment that I felt when my father walked out, the abuse that I felt, and the, 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 the lack of acceptance that I felt from my mom, all of that came up to the surface also during that period. And so it was not only about this man. It was about my past. It was about my parents. It was about my old patterns. So I... I took advantage of that process and I just brought it all up and I said, okay, well, I might as well. I might as well process all of these. Let's like, just unpack it. Yeah. Let's just unpack it and exactly. deal with it. Yeah. So it doesn't keep on showing up. And it's so hard, right? Because it's like when you get back from a trip, you really do want just to leave the suitcase packed most of the yeah. time, right? <laughs> it's like, but if you just don't just unpack it all and deal with it and see what it's so that, I know, that's but, kind of that. And I love that you said that because I, I remember that when I was in my spiritual psychology class, uh, the teacher said used to say that we're walking with this backpack full of rocks right? And we keep accumulating rocks and the backpack Mm. keeps getting heavier and heavier and heavier until we collapse because Mm. it's so heavy that we can't carry it anymore. So we just fall down. And that's what happened with me with this man. The backpack got really heavy 
and I collapsed. He was that last rock. He was he, just that last rock. He right was there. perfect. He was perfect for <laughs> yes. me. You know, it's like it, it, everything that I experienced with him is like got me to to that edge. You know, where I just had to. I, I couldn't stay on the edge anymore. I was like, okay, I, I'm either on this side or that side. And the other side of the fence, there was myself. And I had to choose between my, 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 my patterns and myself and my real self. And I chose me. And that was gonna, I knew that was going to hurt. I knew that was going to feel uncomfortable. I knew that was going to feel excruciating. I knew it. But I was ready. I was ready. And, 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 and you and I know that not everybody, not everybody wants to experience this, even if they know it. Mm -hmm. Even if they know that on the other side of the fence, there might be a much better world. There might be a much better way of living. Yes. But, it, but, it, but it's, you know, it, there are it's some... Hard. Yeah. There, there are some requirements in order for you to get there, right? Like you got to go through a lot before you yes. get there. And not everybody wants to do it. So I yeah. thought, you know what? I'm, a, I'm in it. I'm ready to do it. I don't want to live like this. And I have a girl. I have a son too, right? But, but I have a daughter, you know, and it's a girl. And I, I got to walk my path in order to show her what that really means to be an empowered woman that doesn't settle for less than what she wants. But the example you're giving your son as well that empowered women so that if by chance, you know, like in relationships or so forth like that for him in the future or whatever their dynamics will look like, he can see what an empowered woman looks like and does not fear that either. So yes. it's the example that you give your daughter to be empowered and who she is and the example you give your son that empowered women are incredibly amazing because he's seen it in his own mom. So yeah. it's, it's a huge, huge gift that you are giving them. Um, my God, I could, I could probably talk for a whole other hour asking you questions uh, because, because <laughs> I'm like, it is just so, we could go so much deeper into so many different aspects of this conversation. Uh, but you do have uh, to go because aside from spiritual psychology, you're also a, uh, an instructor, fitness instructor, and help women and so forth. So let's talk about this Adriana now and everything that you are doing aside from this amazing book. And again, the name of the book from Adriana Sorgi is Your Breakdown is Your Breakthrough. And if, if what you guys have heard does not give you a glimpse of exactly what that means, <laughs> I mean, we've already talked about two different types of breakdowns being really those breakthroughs of uncovering. So let's talk about the now and how it is you're helping and empowering other women um, as well, as, of course, your children as well, but empowering others and how they can find your book and all these kind of things. So let's yeah. go there. So I, ever since I, I began my coaching practice, which was right after I graduated from the University of Santa Monica uh, on spiritual psychology, I made a commitment to myself that I was going to, my purpose in this lifetime was to empower women, to empower women to really become who they are and to own everything about themselves, everything without apology. And I began my coaching practice and it's been a journey that I adore. I absolutely love what I do. 
not only and, and yes, you just mentioned that I'm a I'm a fitness trainer because I think that goes together, right? Like when mm-hmm. we feel amazing in the inside, then it, it reflects out in the outside. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we want to take care of ourselves, we want to look better for us, right? Just because that makes us feel good and empowered. The Adriana that I am now is God, it's completely different from who I was uh, when I first began my my inner journey and that I kind of lost my train of thought. Uh, <laughs> no, you were talking about what you're doing now. So empowering women. Yeah. You're fine. You're fine. You're still, yeah. you're still in the uh, thought. Let's see. So that's what I, that's what I'm doing. I think that the area that I love the most uh, is uh, the area of relationship. I love empowering women in the area of relationship and uh, finding love, finding love and, and, becoming aware of what it is that is holding them back from being available Mm. to having that that wonderful relationship that they want and how to own it how to really own it because i think that most of uh today in today's society you know a lot of women they want to be really empowered and they think that being empowered means well i don't need a man I don't need a man. I don't need to have a relationship. I can just do all these things and realizing that they can really do all these things, right? But but it's really holding them back from being available to love because, yeah, they don't need it. We don't need a man, but we want it. And it's okay to want it. We want to have a relationship. Yeah, some of them may not want it. That is legit. They might not want it. But there is a lot of women that do want it, but they are afraid to say it. So like just being okay with just owning that, owning the fact that I want a relationship. I desire that. I want to feel taken care of. And when I mean taken care of, doesn't mean that taken care of, you know, financially speaking. And that could be, if you're listening to, you know, a lot of, you know, women may want that. And that's okay. It's okay to own that too, right? But to to own it from a place of a love. I desire that. I'm worthy of that. I want that. There is nothing wrong with that. From a place of abundance rather than a place of lack. Yes. So the moment you realize how abundant and how worthy you are, then the owning that you may want more X, Y, Z, or this person being with you because of X, Y, Z, whether that be financial, this or that, if it's not coming from a place of lack, and you, but a place of worth and that how much abundance you are, then it's different energy, right? Absolutely. Would you, yeah. Absolutely. It's a completely different energy because, you know, you have to realize that we come from an abundant universe, mm. right? So if we come from an abundant universe, that, that means that we are abundant. We mm-hmm. are allowed to have whatever we want. But it is our shame. It is our judgments. It is our limiting beliefs that hold us back from, 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 having access to everything that we want because we make it mean something about ourselves, something wrong. Oh, if I dare to say that I want this, what are people going to think? Or how am I going to be perceived? Or Right? So it's Mm -hmm. like like letting go of that. Of the story. Let go of the the story story, once again. When we come from a place Mm -hmm. of, I am worthy of this. If Mm -hmm. other people can have it, why can I not? So to me, that has become my journey, my commitment, my purpose to put this message out there. You are allowed to have anything you want, anything you want. 
you are allowed to write a book. Yeah, you are allowed to publish a book. Self-publish it. You don't have yeah. to be a celebrity. You don't have to be a famous person in order to publish a book. You see, because I didn't publish this book to become a millionaire. I mean, if that happens, that would be a bonus, right? But for me, it was because I felt connected to it because I felt like I can, I can, and I want to, and that felt that feels aligned. And I'm gonna do it, and the people that resonates with that message will follow me and will benefit from it. And the people that don't, then they don't. And that's totally okay. I'm okay with that. You see, but I felt that inner um, purpose. I need to write that book for me. First, for me. And if you resonate with that and it serves you, fantastic. So that has become my life. And I'm walking that path right now. What I want to do, I do it. I'm not afraid anymore. I don't ask permission anymore. And I tell my story freely. I am not embarrassed. I'm not embarrassed to say that I was bulimic, that I was, you know, that I had my head on the toilet for 15 plus years, like abusing myself because that's what I learned. Right? And I'm not embarrassed because that to me was really the catalyst to become the woman that I am today. So I think that's, that's my message. That is the message that I want to put out there. Your past has nothing to do with the woman that you are today or the woman that you want to become. Your past is part of your journey and your past is your teacher. So to me, everything that happened to me didn't happen because God was against me or because my parents didn't love me. That happens just because it was my karma. I needed to go through that in order to realize my value in order to realize how powerful I am and how much I can do. I used to feel a victim of my past for years. And what did that get me? Nowhere. I I continued to stay a victim. And I knew that if I kept looking at my parents as my biggest, uh, um, what would be a word? Uh, Abusers. And I I was not going to get out of that dynamic. I was going to continue to manifest people like that, that wanted to hurt me, right? I healed with love by seeing them as human beings that were doing the best they knew how to do. And they really loved me the best they knew how to love me. Oh, it's so empowering to hear these words and what you're sharing about owning your story and not being not feeling shame around your story actually like reminds me of really how there's so much strength and vulnerability, right? Mm -hmm. There's so much strength in that. And we live in society that sometimes does not see vulnerability as strong, as being strong. Mm -hmm. They see it as a weakness and, uh, and it is not that case when we're vulnerable and we're true to that and we own it. There's so much more strength than when we hide it. Because we become relatable. Yes. We become relatable to the people that have gone through things that we've gone through, right? So if I show up in this, you know, putting myself in a platform uh, above, you know, all the the people that I'm trying to coach or teach, mm-hmm. they're not going to relate to me. They're going to see me as, oh, this perfect coach. She's got it all together. And they're not mm-hmm. going to share with me, to open up with me because 
they're going to think that I'm going to judge them or that, mm. you know, I, I have it all together. What, you know, I, I'm, they're going to feel ashamed. How would she understand? Right? How would she understand what I'm going but through? The yeah, minute like that I open up to my clients, that I share with them what I've gone through and why I, uh, I do what I do now based on, you know, what I lived in the past, they open up with me. That in that second, they're like, oh, oh, okay. Then all of a sudden they feel safe with me. They open Mm -hmm. up and they share what they are really struggling with. And that to me is the gift. That is the gift right there. Yeah, you give permission to others to feel that way. And you also show what's possible as well in that story. Exactly, exactly, yeah. Yeah. You show what's possible. Uh, Adriana, it's been... Amazing chatting with you. So many nuggets. So many times I teared up in this conversation. (laughs) And I know that the listeners will get so much out of this conversation as well as from your book. So let's tell them how to find you. We'll put the links on the bottom. But if you want to share your website and also how they can get their hands on the book, as well as all you share so much also on your Instagram. So either they could coach with you directly. Uh, as well. And you, you do uh, one-on-one coaching. So please share that uh, with our audience before we. Yeah. So, so the book is available on Amazon right now. It's called your breakdown is your breakthrough. And, um, and you can find me, I have a website is adrianasorgi.com. You can find me there. There's a lot of nuggets also on my website. I write a lot of articles. You can um, take advantage of reading those. Uh, also, um, I do a lot of posting also on Instagram. I post uh, about my fitness a lot and I post uh, uh, about my coaching. And um, uh, yeah, so those are, and you can also email me at adrianasorgi at gmail.com. Um, yes. Perfect. Perfect. That's thank it, you yeah. so much, Adriana. Oh, thank you. And it was just uh, a pleasure. And I look forward to having you on again at another point. We could probably dive deeper into another subject of of, uh, of grief or just other aspects that people kind of struggle with in their lives. So thank you once again, my friend. Thank you so much, Kendra. So much. Much love to you. Same. Thank you again so much for choosing to listen today. I hope that you can take away a few nuggets from today's episode that can bring you comfort in your times of grief. If so, it would mean so much to me if you would rate and comment on this episode. And if you feel inspired in some way to share it with someone who may need to hear this, please do so. Also, If you or someone you know has a story of grief and gratitude that should be shared so that others can be inspired as well, please reach out to me. And thanks once again for tuning in to Grief, Gratitude, and the Gray in Between podcast. Have a beautiful day.